This is The Back Pass, a podcast for sports nerds by sports nerds. This week, we discuss all things Barcelona. In layman's terms, we try and explain everything that is going on in what is a steaming mess of a financial situation. Hello and welcome to The Back Pass. I'm your host, Gurpreet Singh Rana. And with me today, I have Kevin, Ali, and Shivank. Hello, gentlemen. Howdy. Hello, hello. Hola. Gents, uh, before we crack into it, have you been brushing up on uh, fifth form accounting? Because I'm going to need all of your expertise to explain what's going on here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know what? We should have checked if um, the Barcelona directors have done fifth form accounting. You know how there's generally accepted accounting principles and non-generally accounted accept, uh, accepted accounting principles? They're going for the latter here. I'd hazard, I'd hazard to call it maths, actually. You probably keep it away from <laughs> <that>. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. There will be plenty of opportunity for banter here. But I think in layman's terms, Shavank, could you please, please bring the listeners up to speed? How did we get here? Yeah, um, happy to. Before I get into how they got there, I'll explain what's actually going wrong in the land of Barcelona. So FC Barcelona currently have two major problems. Uh, the first one is that they have a debt of 1.3 billion euros or thereabouts that to, that they have to pay back. Ouch. And the other problem that they have is La Liga, in an attempt to make sure clubs basically don't dig themselves into a financial ground, have salary limits. And those limits are basically a function of how much your club earns. And in Barcelona's case, their annual um, salary cap is 560 million euros. Unfortunately, they've hit that limit which means they are unable to easily register players. And I say easily because we'll talk about this further. But <laughs> they need to pull a few strings or levers in order to actually register players. And as it stands right now, after playing game week one against Rayo Vallecano, um, they are still unable to register Jules Kunde. Boy, must he be loving life right now. <laughs> Could have been in London. Not not bitter at all, eh? <laughs> nah, nah. Having seen how Lissandro Martinez struggled yesterday, I'm kind of happy oh. <laughs> he didn't come here. <laughs> Two birds, one stone. Uh, that didn't take long. Two birds, one stone with that one. <laughs> no, look, as to how they got there, there's a few things that we all have to bear in mind. The first thing is, um, if you wind the clock back a few years, and I'm saying you go back to 2014-ish, um, Barcelona as a financial institution were on quite a roll. Uh, their year-on-year revenue was basically going through the roof 
They were making more money through sponsorships and advertising that they could ever imagine. Because if you remember, their front line back then was Messi, Suarez, and Neymar. Um, banging in goals for fun, playing beautiful football. Um, at some stage in around 2016 or 17, they made a prediction that by the year 2020, they would cross a billion euros of turnover every year. They got quite close to it, to be honest. Um, in 2019-20, the season that was cut short because of COVID, sorry, the season before that, they actually recorded 983 million euros worth of revenue. And so they were projected to do well. Money was not a problem. And the other thing we have to remember is Barcelona isn't backed by a financial billionaire, unlike the clubs most of us support. Um, Barcelona, just like Real Madrid, are a fan-owned club. And so the fans basically vote, the shareholding fans vote. They, uh, they appoint a director who's basically the custodian of the club, looks after the finances, so on and so forth. And basically, they didn't see COVID coming and poof <laughs> is what happened to their finances. Um, COVID basically meant a 40, 35, 40-ish loss on their revenue stream and their finances dropped to about 680 million. Now, what didn't happen as a consequence of dropped revenue is the free fund spending that they were doing. So their wage bill was still through the roof. They were signing players left, right, and center at exorbitant wages, which they are still doing now, by the way. But yeah, that's the situation they're in right now. So they've signed all these players who are hard to move, and now they can't move them and can't bring in new players easily. Uh, Shivank, i got to get this out of the system. It, it sounds like quite a messy situation. Oh, very messy indeed. <laughs> very messy indeed. And if you remember last year... And Messi was a big part of the situation too, right? Messi was a big right? part of the situation, exactly. Um, if you go back to last year, the reason Messi couldn't stay on at Barcelona, despite everything, was because of the same salary cap that they have right now, which is preventing the, which prevented them from <laughs> registering quite a few players. And so he had to trade the sunny coastline of Barcelona for Paris. You raise a you raise a very good point about COVID, Shivank. We've seen that throughout Europe, in fact, throughout the world. Yeah. Sport aside, we've seen it in, in in the corporate sphere as well. COVID has had a severe economic impact. Kevin Ali, was it only COVID, or do you think this Barcelona Messi situation started before that? <laughs> I blame Pep. Pep did too good of a job between <laughs> 2008 and 2012. <laughs> And he basically set them up for failure because Shivang's right. They picked up after that. Um, they were on top of the world. And if you if you can cast your minds back and your memories of your younger years, that Ricard Barca side was not great. Um, and their crosstown rivals mm. um, beat them quite consecutively. But yep. Pep came along. Rebuilt yep. the side, turned them into something that everybody loved to watch. Built the brand. That brand picked up momentum, as Shivank said. And with that, I think there's also a few other factors. And that, that all that stuff predates COVID. COVID is just probably 
maybe an accelerator mm. in that um, in the short term. But like there's a psychological and the, the socioeconomic yep. effects of having a fan-owned side where you need to win and you, you have to do whatever in your power in your short-term stay with, that, with, yep. with the organization yep. to win. And that's exactly what's happened here. Like they've, they're just not making any decision that's, and I hazard to say this ethically, whether it's true or not, it sounds like it's not very ethical what they're doing. <laughs> um, so, you know, that's, that's what, that's what it comes down. It's human nature. It's, it's it sounds like what every country's uh, prime minister or president much, yeah. does. Which is let's just kick the can down, and the next person who comes in can deal with the issue. Yep. Problem for another day. <laughs> yeah. Um. There's also there's also reasons why Pep left, right? Like it wasn't a clean exit. It was. I mean, he he'd won three in a row. He was, you know, two Champions Leagues. He was. He's he could have stayed for as long as he wanted, but the things weren't going right, and at the at the higher level, and that's why he left because he said stress and that was three years into his management career so um i don't know how much stress he accumulated in those three years but there's stuff definitely going on but you make a good point ali look he went to Bayern munich and then he's come to man city and he hasn't had a break in between so clearly those three years at barcelona were far more uh detrimental to his health than the preceding uh, than the succeeding 10 odd years since uh kevin yeah i i just like to um touch on this a little further you you mentioned that team from 09 10 through to about 12 we've made this point on the podcast before i consider that the best club side i have seen in my lifetime they wiped the floor twice with united and the champions league final and they did it with the, the the spine of that team was la masia graduates Right, so if we look at PK, if we look at Xavi, Iniesta, Messi, right, they biscuits, biscuits. instrumental, right? We biscuits, the, the great Alex Ferguson that that o eight o nine United team had no answer to these guys. What I find baffling, and and Shivank Ali, I'll, I'll come to you both in a minute to explain some of these levers, right? But they they had a model that worked beautifully with La Masia. La Masia became the example that United fans were screaming that United needed to go back to. Why? Why have they moved away from this to this model where if you look at some of these levers, they've they've essentially gambled the future of their club over the next two years for success, if not less than that. How can this happen? Because La Masia graduates, um, they don't trend on um, TikTok <laughs> and Instagram. Fair. Very fair. fair. Very fair. Fair. Yeah, very fair. It, 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 and do it, Do we think that's what it is? Branding, yeah, 100%. You make more money off merchandising and branding no matter how well you play on the pitch. It's just about sustaining that. The, the problem is, I think, in between, they forgot to win. Um, and now they're in this backward struggle where they're like, oh, we have to win as well as to have the players who, you know, can get those, what, tens of millions of subscribers on TikTok. No, it's, it's, a, it's kind of like a mm-hmm. sort of chickens chasing the egg 
as opposed to the other way around. There's going to be an, a, like a lost generation of Barcelona gr- homegrown talent that are just going to, yep. they're going to have to go somewhere because um, they won't be able to get a starting spot here. Manchester yeah, is not a bad place. <laughs> maybe they, maybe we'll use, that's our youth academy from now on. <laughs> and I don't yeah. even mind splitting it halfway with Chelsea. If we want to go. <laughs> we should just have a scout permanently based for for the next couple of years, just a permanent scout based at La Masia. You could sign a contract with them. And become a feeder club. You take all your talent every year. Kevin, Kevin, that that is such a brilliant point, right? Because if you look at um, Kukurea, right? If I'm not mistaken, he was from La Masia as well, right? So he's a player who Chelsea have paid. And I mean, I don't care if it's an inflated fee or whatever, right? I, I don't think it really matters. But we've got, say, a £50 million player here that Barcelona had on their books. If he's good enough to play for Thomas Tuchel and Chelsea, surely if they'd been a bit more patient with him, he would have been playing for the Barcelona first team. I don't think they've got a left back better than him. Yep. Right? Well, they're looking to sign Alonso, who Chelsea... The, the current starting left back... <laughs> Chelsea, what the current starting left back is Jordi yeah. Alba. Oh, I mean, Alba. what year are we in 2014? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> And, and 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 this is this is this whole thing of like, I wonder where we're gonna see these La Masia graduates leave, go to another club like Brighton, clubs in Germany, clubs in Portugal, and then they'll come back to bigger clubs, and it'll be this whole thing of like, you know, and they then, could have been playing for us had we not bet our future on signing Kunde and Rafinha and Lewandowski. So the 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 big question that a lot of listeners are gonna have is they've got into this mess, COVID recruitment problems before then wanting to get things trending on tiktok and twitter <laughs> and, and now they're pulling these levers so so shivank will we'll come back to you and in, in layman's terms can you explain what some of these levers are leave alone are? <laughs> um, yeah so I will happily explain what levers are but before I get into levers I want to explain how levers came about um, the bulk of the financial mess that Barcelona see themselves in right now was a, was caused in the previous director's regime, the previous and the one before. So if you go um, chronic, uh, chronologically, the one before this was Joseph Bartomeu and the one before that was Sandro Rosell. Rosell signed Neymar, Bartomeu signed everyone else that we associate with Barcelona right now such as Frankie de Jong, Marc-Andre Testegen, and everyone. And what the guy basically did was because he was so confident about Barcelona making money that he borrowed a lot of money at really high interest rates from um, your Goldman Sachs and stuff on very short interest terms because he was very confident that you'd pay them back. Boom, COVID hit. Yeah, of course. COVID hit, uh, revenue stream depleted, the European Super League, remember that? Yep. This was the reason why clubs wanted it. <laughs> Backfired, and now they need the money. So the new director comes in, Juan Laporta, who is the same guy from 2004 who hired Frank Rijkaards, sanctioned the signing of Ronaldinho, and basically started the previous revival of the club. So he comes in last year. He basically agrees with the board for financial measures, or as they called it in Spain, fulcrums or fulcrums or levers which they can pull strategically to raise capital 
that allows them to basically meet La Liga's uh, salary cap limit. Now, they basically don't aren't really concerned about the 1.3 million debt they owe to Goldman Sachs or whoever. That'll be paid back whenever it's paid back. The more pressing need for them is the salary cap. And so these four levers are what they've pulled now. And that's what's allowed them to um, register all these players, except Jules Kunde. So the four levers, not in chronological order, was selling 15% of their domestic La Liga TV rights for the next 25 years. The next lever was selling an additional 10% of it. And your last two levers are the collective sale of 49% of Barca TV, which is the in-house production studio, aka the TikTok moneymaker, to socios.com. <laughs> so these are the four levers that they've pulled. This has given them a significant amount of money in the short term to register these players. But if you start thinking about it, it's a short-term band-aid to a very long-term problem. So, Just on that, Shivank, and, and to make it crystal clear for the listener, this short-term band-aid, it allows the Barcelona revenue to bump over a certain mark. So the ratio of revenue to wages mm. is addressed this year. But next year, what well, what happens mm-hmm. next year if they can't reduce their wages? <laughs> oh, next year we worry about it next year. Uh, so that, that's that's effective. N- next year they better win the Champions yeah. League. <laughs> Otherwise, so and and, yeah. and and I love I love this Ali. So so they've basically said that we're going to sign these players for these ridiculous sums. I mean, just how ridiculous this is. They outbid Chelsea twice, right? The, I mean, that does not happen, right? Uh, you know, the, the rule of thumb for United down the years has been we go for players Chelsea don't go for because if Chelsea are in the equation, they normally win out. They they literally took two players off Chelsea, right? But what we're saying is unless they get the success in the next 12 months, we're back here talking about yeah. more levers. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, if you think about 25% of the La Liga TV rights, um, unlike England, in Spain, every club is able to negotiate their own TV rights mm. for the domestic yep. or international season. And given the amount of um, pull Barcelona and Real Madrid have, these clubs make more money than whoever wins the Premier League in England by a significant margin. Mm. And Barcelona has yep. basically auctioned off a quarter of it for the next 25 years to to raise 100 or 200 odd million euros now. And so they're basically handing off 40 million euros to whoever it is for the next 25 years minimum. If you do the math, it's almost a billion dollars, a billion euros in itself, just so that they could register these players now. So the, the thing that keeps on coming to my mind is how do we define success and failure in this scenario for Barcelona and, and their fans? And for me, as you so correctly mentioned before, Ali, if they don't win the trophy, if they don't win Champions League, forget La Liga trophy, if they don't win the Champions League trophy, they are up a creek without a paddle. They, they've completely failed. And then it's just an order of magnitude of how large that failure is. So, for instance, semifinals, if they don't 
you know, if they don't, how they go this season, how many games they lose, the amount of pressure would be on the players. It's insane. And then thinking about that, if I was a player, why would I want to come into this kind of situation? Like, why are players still signing up for this? Because they're still signing players right now. Yeah, because apparently Barcelona is the only place in Europe where the sun shines and the beach is nice. Um, apparently no other place in Europe has that. No one no, no one else has sun and beach. Well, Monaco was an alternative a few years ago, but clearly that's not, no longer viable. <laughs> no, but Kevin, there's a few things, right? The first thing is, at the end of the day, regardless of what we say, Barcelona is Barcelona. If you think about the lineage of superstars that have played for Barcelona, it's mind-blowing, quite simply. You've got the likes of Johan Cruyff back in the day to Ronaldinho to Messi. Like This is 50 years worth of talent, and basically these guys would walk into any side that they wanted. If you want to be associated with that club, there's nothing wrong with it. And just... Speaking of Rafinha, you know, the guy Gopri just mentioned a while ago, if you're Rafinha and you wanted to make sure that you play in the World Cup in Qatar in November, how do you stand out more? Is it by playing right wing at Leeds under Jesse Marsh or is it playing right wing on a Champions League semi-final night under Xavi at the new Camp? What's going to stand out more? And the third thing, and the third thing which many people don't realize is you pay less tax as a superstar in Spain than you would in England. And you can thank David Beckham for that. It's called the Beckham Law. <laughs> <laughs> yep, the tax is a big one, um, really impacts a lot of the earning. And it was one of the big, big things for Messi and Ronaldo as well um, with the amounts they earned. Uh, is, it, is it true, Shavank, that the, the fifth economic lever is Frankie de Jong? Yes. <laughs> oh, mind you, I am not an accountant. I am also not a journalist with sources within the club. But Frankie Young being the fifth level may, makes a lot of economic sense because he is the top earner at Barcelona. And if you start doing the maths on how much he earns, it's somewhere between 4 and 10% of their annual wage bill. That's basically Frankie de Jong. Uh, I mean, look... The, uh, this is basically a, a segue into where to from here, but I, I'd just like to touch on the uh, Kevin used. Uh, Kevin was questioning how ethical some of this is. Um, perhaps we'll come to you, Kevin. <laughs> but 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 you know, deferring wages for a guy, and and we're not talking deferring, uh, you know, a few hundred thousand pounds a year. We're talking to the tune of almost twenty million euros where how does this make sense right and 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 this is what makes this situation particularly volatile for me that they've deferred these wages they've got this super roster together that's arguably better than real madrid's but they've got to be paying these guys right like they've, they've, if these players, if the likes of Frankie De Jong and, and Memphis Depay and um, Martin Braithwaite end up staying at the club, they are going to be way, they're going to be owed way more than what Barcelona are paying them now. Thoughts on the ethics of all of this? So I'll start with my brief understanding of how this kind of works in other sports. 
So if in the NFL, there is this thing called um, announced salary versus, or it's in layman's term, it's an announced salary. It's what, what, the, what the play is um, reported to be um, on. And then there's guaranteed money. So at any point in time, a club can um, decide that they want to cut a particular player if they haven't hit particular performing metrics. And that's rare if they were to cut that player, but if they do, the guaranteed salary flows onto the following year's salary cap. Now, all of this only works because there's a salary cap, a real salary cap. In this kind of situation, mm. I, I think of it more like the open market and the ethics around that. So if you had just like a regular employee and they had deferred wages over three or four years, that's not an ethical situation because you're essentially bargaining as, a, as an employee. They're, they're betting on the business to be successful enough to be maintained over that period of time. They can fall out of the sky and not, be, not, not lose yeah. all their money and you know, have wasted three years of their or four years of their life. But the reason why this is a bit fishy and I think why, why they can potentially get away with it is the perceived notion of these guys earn a lot of money, they earn excess, and hence Agreed. it's not a big hit. And I think this is what the Barcelona fans are telling themselves. They're like, okay, well, they make – it's the same argument with PK yeah, and exactly. Busquets who have taken huge salary cuts uh, or wage cuts, sorry, um, to stay at the club. It's – Fans telling them to, you know, what 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 is the matter if it's a you know a few you know, twenty million if it means that the club can win and get a Champions League trophy and that that also plays into the the psyche of what team sports is all about everything for the team everything for winning. Mm. Yep, and you know, like um, so taking that example and what, especially what happens in the NRL, um, what used to happen anyway, and I think it still does is they say, say a, say a player signs on for like a three-year contract and you have a salary cap that you're dealing with. The club would sit down with the player and say, hey, look, we're going to pay you this money over your contract, so over three years. But in the first year, we can only pay you 100000 And the second year, we'll pay you 200000 But then in the third year, you're going to get paid 550000 right? So that we could pay you 300,000 each year and that kind of evens out or, you know, this helps our salary cap. We can get in some better players and, and structure and blah, blah, blah. Player signs on at the end of the second year after they paid him 300,000, they go, uh, you're not going to play next year. You're going to be end up ending up on our bench. Um, I think you need to find a new club. You need to get out, of, get out the door. And it suddenly start putting reports out saying like, we don't need the player, the players, you know, not turning up to training or whatever. And then the player then goes and signs for another club because they want to be paid the 550 they were promised. They will go and try to bargain for that price or something close to it. And they will get their pay. But the club's essentially underpaid a player for two years and gotten away with it. The, the key thing, the key difference there, and this is the same, the same is true for um, uh, NFL. In most cases where that situation sort of occurs, the player hasn't been performing to the standard that the club expects. And even though the club is expecting, you know, the club, so the player is expecting to play for, say, three hundred or 500000 they evaluate themselves accordingly. Club probably is expecting a bit more than that, and that's how clubs typically work. They expect to make a profit off the player. Um, otherwise, it's just not feasible. 
in this scenario here, if we look at Frankie, I, I don't think Frankie's done anything wrong. He's played up to scratch. He's he's done really well. Um, he deserves mm. to get paid. So that makes it even more fishy from an ethical standpoint. Like if you weren't doing your job and you get fired from it, that's that's different. But if you are doing your job and <laughs> you do it at a high standard and you don't get paid, that's fishy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and this is part of it as well. Like, you know, Barcelona in 2019-2020, um, just before COVID, spent $298.5 million Euros in wow. transfers, right? Whew. Wow! That I mean that that even blows FPP out of the out of out of like it's 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 ridiculous. They spent almost three hundred million euro on transfers just in that one window, and then when COVID hit, it was, um, yeah, um, things got tight, <laughs> and suddenly everyone was talking about Super League. I mean, you know, and. Uh, not even just that window, like or just a couple of seasons before that, they paid 135 million for Philippe Coutinho. <laughs> um, in that same window that they paid 135 million for Philippe Coutinho, That's right. they got Dembele for 125 right. million. So those two players alone cost Barcelona 260 million in 2017 2018. I mean, as, as a United fan, we've had some pretty catastrophic transfer failures, but. I don't think we've got any at Coutinho or Dembele levels. I mean, those no. were and, and Griezmann you, as well, right? I mean, Griezmann that 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 that, that was 120 million euros yeah, for I Griezmann. Mean, th- these are if you took any one of these, it is catastrophic, right? You put three or four of them in a row, and it's not a surprise that Messi was in tears because they couldn't register a year ago. <laughs> I mean, it makes Chelsea yeah. look like masterminds when it comes to signing strikers. Oh, now it makes you guys look like Brentford, right? Yeah, Jeez. you look like you look like money ballers out there. Brentford, hundred percent. Lukaku doesn't work for ninety-seven point five. Who cares? So, it's it's not as if Barcelona were ever conservative with their fees, ever like really thinking about, oh, there's going to be a time when we need to actually manage our money or call an accountant. Um, you know, even just at least ask my nephew who's in, who's doing fifth form accounting, if this makes sense, um, they just like the money will just keep rolling in and we'll just keep making transfers. Um, even if they don't work, we'll just keep buying more. Uh, I mean, on, okay. on, on a personal note, and, and I know this has got quite a few of the, um, quite a few of the natives on our WhatsApp chat fired up. Uh, shout out to Ashish, <laughs> if you're listening, um, hey. <laughs> It, it, I think where, where it's where it's particularly infuriating is where Barcelona doing this in in such a unethical, irresponsible way starts to impact other clubs. Right? You, you look at the whole Frankie De Jong saga and and how that's it, it's it's reached a point where if United don't get this over the line, it is a catastrophic failure. For us, and and I don't actually think United have done that much wrong here, right? Now, I'm not talking about United's overall transfer strategy. I am talking about the De Jong chase. <laughs> as much as I love to criticise the board, there isn't too much wrong they've done. You look at um, again Chelsea. I want to put the United bias aside. You look at Chelsea and their chase for Rafinha, 
their chase for Jules Kunde, right? Yeah. It, I mean, the, uh, these are major ramifications, right? It could impact United's chances to, I was going to say the top four, but... Um, avoid relegation. To avoid relegation, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, that, that, is, that, oh, is the, that is the scale of of impact we're talking about here, right? This is not this is not localized to Barcelona mm. or La Masia. This has a much broader impact. And the ethics 100%. and dynamics of it are, are highly questionable. I, I think mm. in all of this, I think in all of this, to to to, to really summarize it for for the layman, it was uh, it was Nagelsmann, the, the Bayern Munich manager, who who summed it up when he said Bingo. Barcelona are the only club in the world who have no money but are still able to sign these superstar players. <laughs> yeah. And if you look look at it, they lost Robert Lewandowski for 40 million to Barcelona. Lewandowski had no reason to leave. He was a guaranteed starter. He was banging in 40 goals a year. He had he was basically yep. guaranteed a ticket to the Champions League semi-final every single season. But but what what he wasn't guaranteed was a Ballon d'Or, and that can only he can only achieve it if you win something for Barcelona, because everyone knows that in Spain, whoever does well Melody. wins the Ballon d'Or. The the, the the other thing, the other thing with Bayern, and for me, Bayern are the model for how a top top club should be run. If if I'm not getting my if I'm not getting my facts mixed up, uh, Lewa wanted a longer contract. I think he wanted a three year contract. They said we'll give you and we'll give you a two year contract. I, I think and and Bayern did this to to United with uh, with Schweinsteiger. They basically know when a player is over the top and they start planning for succession. Mm. I, I think they were already looking at the next Lewa and they were basically saying, look. We'll keep this guy around, but then we're going to start phasing him out. Bayern, Bayern basically were planning to replace him anyway. And Barcelona come in and pay all of this money and they go through this whole... <laughs> you know, it's... it's uh, the writing is on the wall. And, 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 and I guess in, in wrapping this up, guys, uh, I'll just, we'll, just we'll, we'll do a quick round here. How do you think the next 12 months play out? So we know they've leveraged the short-term and the long-term future of, of, of Barcelona on success. The current European champions are Real Madrid. They're, they're arch-rivals. City are looking great. Liverpool are looking great. Chelsea are in the mix for the Champions League. PSG with Messi are going to be hungry. How does the next 12 months, in your opinion, play out for Barcelona? Shavak. Look, in La Liga, they'll be fine because realistically, there's only three or at a stretch four teams. So your Champions League space is guaranteed. You'll finish second or if Atletico figure out how to score goals again, you'll finish third. But top two is secured. <laughs> um, if they don't shift players off their wage book, I'm thinking Memphis Depay, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, Martin Brathwaite, and that guy's a story in himself with how he was signed and everything. Or even... Can I can I just say, Shivang, you know, Memphis Defy, Pierre-Obamayang, 
and Martin Braithwaite were signed within the last 12 months. I think Braithwaite was a bit longer, but yes, you're right. 12 months, 6 months? They literally yeah. just signed them. And then they're like, oh, but we're paying them too much. It's like, well, you know COVID was exactly. on when you signed them. Exactly. Bingo. But just building on from that, I think, look, this time next year, we'll be having the same conversation. Barcelona will sign a few new players. They'll sell off some other stuff and we'll have the same conversation again. But next year, they'll have NFTs on the market. <laughs> <laughs> and that is how you make money. You, you know, you know, one of the things we haven't mentioned is that um, Busquets is playing for free, apparently, for the rest of the year. Um, he doesn't want to be paid to be playing, so he can, so the other players, so the other players can get registered. Um, PK is taking like a huge pay cut for Barcelona. And I'm like, they're getting paid somewhere or the other, right? Like, what? They, there's no way that a player's just gone. Hmm, hundred fifty thousand a week. It's okay. You hold on to it. I'll just you know just let's just win the Champions League, and that'll be. You know, who do you think they're selling so it to? If you remember on the ch- the twenty five percent TV rights, they're all going to PK and Busquets. <laughs> <laughs> so, if, if you guys remember on the chat, I said a few days ago, FFP or any sort of financial fair play model is inherently broken. There's too many gaps to exploit. Correct. And I'm thinking what's going to happen is they may not do salary payments to these guys, but they will blow up their image rights and everything or whatever Konami or EA Sports or whoever gives Barcelona, a bigger chunk goes to these guys. It's not technically salary, therefore it doesn't impact the wage bill, but it's still payment to the player in some way, shape, or form. Uh, I agree, Shavank. I, I was just, just as Ali had said that, I, I do wonder about some of these uh, brand investor roles that these big clubs dish out. I host to say that in a couple of years' time, because um, I don't think that comes under FFP, right? No, doesn't. If you're not, FFP has too many loopholes. Yeah, if you're not on the first team register and you're some sort of brand ambassador, right, getting paid millions, um, I, I wonder if that's what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah, this is some sort of be, uh, you know <laughs> backroom role that they've been promised for you know billions a year. Yeah, yeah. you could you could um, take the Melbourne Storm model, which is. Or the Roosters model, which is they uh, take the player and they add him to the training um, and coaching roster. And they don't actually have to coach. They might do some press conferences here and there and maybe do some individual drills. But they'll be on that contract for five, six years. And that's how they pay um, their players. So Roosters obviously have a sombrero, which is well talked about. Melbourne Storm had a back room. Um, (laughs) Well, gentlemen, thank you for your time. We've got to pull the exit lever because uh, that is all—that is all my brain can handle off this very, very dodgy accounting. We will be back next week. Hopefully, by then, Frankie De Jong has signed for United because we sure need him to save us from relegation. This has been the back pass. Thank you for your time. <laughs>